Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. Welcome to Plan for Life Now, the podcast. I am one of your hosts, Steve Killiani. And I'm Dave Murray. The other host. The other host, thank you. The only two voices you hear. Welcome to the show. We uh, we have kind of an interesting concept plan for today. And it might work, might not work, might take a little bit of tweaking here. But it's sort of a take on, we get a lot of questions from people, right? And I incorporated in this questions that we got at the seminars that we did this week, right? So we just did a a couple of seminars about uh, specifically focused on TSP rollovers for government employees, Um, but we do seminars all the time about retirement income planning. So I took some from that, some that I've gotten emailed or just in meetings and wrote these down. So I've got eight questions here and our goal is to get through them all in about the next 16 or 17 minutes. Right. So we're stealing from the uh, PTI show. If you don't know what that is, it's like a sports show. It's on ESPN with Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon. And right. They basically do a whole bunch of topics, but they only have a certain amount of time, maybe yeah. 60 seconds, 90 seconds, something usually, like that, yeah. to talk about them. Yep. And then the, a bell rings. So, so hold on. Let me give you a, a preview of what you're going to hear when it's time to, for us to move on. All right? All right, that's what I picked. That's good. That was one of the sounds. I mean, I, I had a couple other choices, but I think that was the best one. I mean, I also had... I would stick with the first. I like, like we'll the old the car first. horn. I like that one. Better. Okay. So that's what we're going to go with. So that's how you know when you hear the car horn, we're going to hopefully move on from that topic. Right. And we'll just kind of take these, whoever wants to answer we'll we'll go right. ahead and, and i have it. not even looked at the questions beforehand i always like to go into these things blind it's more fun <laughs> puts you at a little bit of a disadvantage answering some of these but you know what i actually put down a d next to some of them where i said you know what this dave's going to be better suited to answer this okay and, and vice oh. versa all right we'll see all right uh we'll start off with let me start, start your the timer. timer start the timer here we go Let's start with a, what I think. I think most of them are softballs, but what's the difference, Dave, between a 401k, a 403b, a 457 plan, a TSP, or just a regular old IRA? Well, I certainly know there's no D next to that question, so go. <laughs> okay. Um, what I would say the only real difference is, is who's providing them, right? What I listed there are a bunch of different retirement accounts. If you work for a corporation, you probably have a 401k. If you work for a research institution or educational, you have a 403b. You work for a municipality, a government, 457. 
you work for the federal government, you have a TSP and a regular old IRA. Anybody can open that up right. anywhere. They're all tax advantaged. Right. So you put your money in before taxes. Correct. It comes out of your paycheck. Yep. And then it's growing without uh, capital gains tax. It's just growing. I, I, I feel like saying tax-free, but the actual phrase no. is tax advantaged. Right. Or tax deferred if it's just tax traditional deferred. IRA. Um, yeah. So that's the, the bottom line is it depends on where you get it from. So I, I got this question actually from and my- And then it, when the money comes out, it's taxes ordinary income. That's right. So I actually got this question from my college roommate, who's a professor up in Connecticut and uh, University of Connecticut, and he said, I've got a 403B and a 457 plan. What are these? Why do I want one versus the other? And it's basically, I said, listen, it's just money that you're allowed to defer taxes on. You'll get taxed on that later on, but it's just the different letters that are going to identify it. Right. From the IRS perspective, when you're actually getting that money out, it's all going to be ordinary income. Right. They don't care if it's a TSP, a 401k, or whatever. It's all the same. Wow, so. good timing on that one. <laughs> well, I do have the benefit of having the clock in front oh, of me. Oh, that's there, right. So. You do. I don't even have the clock. All right. Ready for the next one? Yes. Um, here, this one does have a D next to Ooh. it because we got this one last night. Um, Dave, my TSP has been doing great. Yes. My TSP. That was now, last night's question. If you don't know what a TSP is, this What's is the, the question. Okay. <laughs> Why would I make a change? Okay. My TSP. My TSP is doing, doing great. great. So TSP is the thrift savings plan. That's the if you're not in the go- if you're in the government, you know what that is. If you're not, that's the 401k plan basically for government workers, the Correct. TSP. It has five fund choices. Mm-hmm. The G fund is a bond fund, the F fund is a bond fund, the C fund is like mirrors the S&P 500. Right. What is the S fund exactly? Small cap stocks. Small cap stocks and I International stocks. So right now, the my TSP is doing great. Now wait a second. It's the investments inside Mm -hmm. that are. In other words, this person who asked the question has all their money probably in like the S, the C, the I. All the funds in the last year have been doing great because those stocks have been doing great. Now ultimately, though, what you're comparing that to is not to like your friends. IRA that's doing great. Right. It's like, how would you, I would compare that to funds to say the S&P 500 index to, to funds that maybe try to beat the S&P 500. Right. Um, but that's your point of comparison. How have those funds done compared to your investments to the S, the C, the I? So when you say your TSP is doing great, really, why would I change? Well, you're not, it's not really your TSP because you wouldn't be saying that if you happen to have the last year all your money in the F fund. Mm-hmm. You'd say your TSP is kind of muddling right. because that's all the bonds that have sort of been muddling. Then, is your TSP then doing poorly? No. No. It's about the investments inside your IRA or your 401k or your TSP. Fantastic answer and... Wow, without the benefit of a clock. (laughs) No clock in front of you. All right, next question here. Um, I actually got this one, something we don't deal with much. Um, I had a client say, I want my grandson to go to a private high school. Right? Um, Already looking ahead. The kid was just born in October. They're already looking ahead saying, I want him to go to a Catholic high school. How do I save for something like that? 
right? And we get this a lot when, you know, we deal with people who are in their 50s and 60s. We tend not to deal with people who have young children. So it tends to be grandparents more often saving for their kids, their grandkids going to college. So we've talked in the past, you know, at least a little bit about 529 plans. And that's a great way to save for your grandchild going to college. And that's a whole nother question. But this person is talking about private high school. So it's not college, not post, uh, you know, right. you know, high school education. This is high school. So unfortunately, there's not a lot of options. You can't um, do a 529 plan for that? No, 529 plan does not work for that. It works for vocational schools or colleges or trade schools, but nothing private uh, schools, you know, below college level. So unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of good options. The one option that does exist is called a Coverdell account. Uh, Coverdell used to be called an education IRA, if you remember that term from way back prior to the mid-90s or so. Um, The problem is you're only allowed to put in $2,000 per year, right? So you can only put in $2,000. But the benefit that you get is when that money grows, you don't get any deduction going in, but when that, if that money grows, (laughs) you get to pull it out. And if you use it for education, you don't pay any taxes on it. Right. right. So the Coverdell, it's not a great option, but it's kind of the only one you have. There you go. That's the end of that. All right. I'm All glad right. that's. I just found an advantage to living in Montgomery County. Was right. that we have really good, good public, public schools. schools. Didn't have to worry about that. Absolutely. Um, all right. Let me find another good one. Um, oh, here we go. I like this one. Um, and I think we'll both probably take this one because okay. it's also from last night at our really? seminar. Um, someone said, and frankly, there's there's no question here, so it's just going to be a comment on this, right? <laughs> someone said, um, if the stock market starts to collapse, I'll just get out of the market. Right. Right. This was an actual question. You remember yeah. the guy uh, who was sure. sitting over there on our right-hand side yeah. there? And he said, well, yeah, but I'm allowed to trade a couple times a month in my retirement account. Right. If it starts to collapse, I'll just get out of it. Right. And that's what people think. It sounds so logical. Right. Things have been going up. When it starts going down and when it, quote, really starts going down, unquote, right. whatever, then you have to define that. I'll just get out. And then that, I think that then makes you think, and then you'll get back in when things get better. Right. Seems but, to make sense. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'll toot my own horn. Um, I, I thought I had a pretty good answer for him when I said, hey, do you remember sequestration? Do you remember the debt ceiling? Remember all those issues that we had a couple years ago? You know, sequestration. Oh, my gosh. Everything, the world's going to end because of this. And, well, didn't. It was okay. Remember Brexit last year? These were all things where the market started to go down. In some cases, was down 10 12%. And a lot of people did what he just said. They said, the stock market's starting to collapse. It's down 10 12%. I'm going to get out, and that way I'm not going to ride it all the way down like in 2008. Now, with the benefit of hindsight, what happened after all those things? It didn't collapse, right? At least not yet. So... This idea that I'll just get out. And this guy said it so confidently, so reassured. Oh, don't worry. I'll just get out. How do you do that? You you, you get out, and then when do you get back in? It just doesn't yeah. work that and way. That, and weird. 
Oh, I guess we can't move on to what I was going to say. Move on to the next question. That's no, fine. Tony and, and Mike often I, will I was run over. Say opposite thinking works. Maybe if you're 100% stocks now, things are high. Go to like 80-20 stocks, yeah. bonds. And then when things are really bad, you right. move some of those bonds back into stocks. Now you're doing what you should be doing, which is selling high, buying low. That is a, a very good idea. Um Here's one that we heard a couple of weeks ago. I'm trying to, I can't even remember off the top of my head exactly the client, um, but I remember hearing this a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he said, you know, we talked about putting more money in bonds, and we talked about, you know, right now he had everything in stocks. And he said, I, I just don't get why I would put money in bonds when instead I could put money into utility stocks. Right, and utility yeah. stocks. We've heard this more than once. Oh, we heard this multiple times. I, I, like I said, I can't even remember recently, but it was not that long ago. You know, he said utility stocks, pretty much the same thing as a bond, but I'm getting a whole lot more yield. Right? Why wouldn't I do that? And you know, our response to that was, it's not pretty much the same thing as a bond. You know, you saw in 2008. Dividend-paying stocks cut their dividend payments by 27%. On top of the fact that the share values of those companies were still down over 30%. So, so it's not like a, a, a yield, we'll right. say, that you can count on that's going to be the same or a little bit higher than the same year in and year out. Right. Now, I mean, that's not to say, I mean, dividends play a huge role in the stock portion of a portfolio. You know, don't don't get that wrong saying dividends are not important. They are. But mixing up this idea of dividend yield with bond yield and thinking, oh, it's the same thing. The reason we own bonds in a portfolio is not, I mean, I say this all the time, but it's not because we're hoping to get rich off of bonds. Right? Not going to make us rich. Certainly not in this interest rate environment. The reason we hold bonds is that because when stocks crash, we expect those bonds to still be stable and level and there. Right. We don't expect 27% pay cuts and, and 30% you know, depreciation on it. That's not what we expect there. All right. We are cranking through this. I think this format <laughs> this is, how is supposed to go. I think this is a winner, Dave. I, I'm I think with we're you, gonna, Steve. This is good. Um, all right. This one's for you. This one's got a big D next Ooh. to it. Um I'm 62 years old, and I still pay a lot of money for life insurance. Should I still be paying a lot of money for life insurance, or should I focus more of that premium on long-term care insurance? Yeah. Well, now, every case is different when it comes to this one. So if there's still a big insurable need for life insurance, um, and there are a lot of insurable needs for life insurance, one is at 62, maybe if you have a pension option where if you die, your spouse isn't getting any pension, Mm-hmm. That's an it's an it's an example of having life insurance there to make up for the loss of pension. But when you get to generally answering this question, yeah. yeah, maybe it is time to shift that premium from life insurance to long-term care insurance because in many cases we see 
if we look at the death, we knock off, hypothetically, one of a couple, and the other one is still fine with the assets and income available. Right. But when you look at a long-term care, and that's where this is why this is such a big time to really start 50s and 60s thinking about buying long-term care insurance. You need to go to assisted living. You're my mother-in-law. Now for Alzheimer's care in her fourth year, it's another year of $120,000 or whatever might happen to you. The cost of assisted living, home care, nursing care is super expensive. It's only going up, and it is really the kryptonite of what is otherwise a well-laid-out financial plan. And yeah, in a lot of cases, it does make sense to shift that premium dollar out of life insurance into long-term care. And and I'll also say if you have cash value in life insurance, that's a good Mm -hmm. vehicle to use to help pay long-term care insurance premiums. Absolutely. Nothing to add to that because it was such a, a perfect uh, answer to the question. <laughs> it's a um, although I did, I will tell you, I did jip you on time a little bit because That's okay. we, I forgot to press the button, so then I just said it for one. I had minute. nothing else to say. It's all, all right. good. It was good timing. Um, let's, let's see what I have left here. Oh, here's one we got last night, um, and this is a common question or a common take on on a question. Um, we had a client, existing client, email and say, should I have a home equity line of credit as part of my retirement strategy? Right? Hmm. Do I need to have this, this ability to borrow money if I need to? Um, this is a client that has plenty of liquidity. They've got money in, you know, spread out in stocks and bonds and cash. They've got stuff all over the place. And... I mean, I think my, my broad answer would be it certainly doesn't hurt to have a, a backup strategy like that because a home equity line of credit is going to be a lot less expensive to borrow than something like a credit card or, or you know any other option that you it, might have. Right. Now, when you open a home equity line of credit, it doesn't mean you have to borrow from it. Right. It's just sort of there as a safety net. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I always like... Whether you're talking about you know home equity lines or or just you know the way that you position your assets, I always like more flexibility, more ability to adapt to whatever situations going on. Um, anything that ties up too much of your money or you know restricts you, that's not good. I mean, because you, you just you can't adapt to what's coming right. down. I would say in many situations, on. it's going to make sense because you might right. be stable and secure. What if you were to lose your job? Look at our clients; they lose their job. It's very hard in your fifties and sixties to get another one. Yeah. What if stuff like that happens? It's unforeseen, but to just open the line of credit, it's like, and you never use it. No harm if you need it; yeah. it's there. I don't see a downside. No, absolutely. So, I mean, I, I think that's a nice backup thing to have, even if you do have cash and bonds and all these other things that, that you could get to pretty quickly. I certainly don't think it's going to hurt you. We didn't need the buzzer on that. Okay. I was thank waiting you, for Thank it. you, the buzzer. <laughs> the buzzer has no mind. The buzzer I saw said, it coming, so I didn't want to try to squeeze in one, <laughs> last, uh, one last answer. Um, all right. The last question that I had written down is basically this question that we have been going over with people in a lot of our review meetings. Um, And it's very simply this question of, has the stock market been going up for too long? Yeah. Forget about just our review meetings. I think this is a theme among regular people. Forget about the experts. Mm -hmm. Just among people out there. Has it just been too long? 
and what do I do about that? Yeah. And I mean, this is, you know, if you've sat down for a review with us recently, you've probably seen some of these charts. But this is uh, the discussion we're having. On one hand, the media loves to grab onto these sound bites or facts that are kind of cool or interesting. On one hand, you have, we now have the second longest streak of positive years in the stock market. Right, so we're we're going on the second longest streak. The longest one was, I think it was basically 1990 through 1999. Right, so we're now going on eight years of positive calendar year returns. So that would lead some people to say, maybe it's been going up for too long. The next chart that we show to people is one that shows other bull markets throughout history. Right, so bull market technically defined as. Uh, you know, bear market when you've gone down 20%, bull market when you've recovered that. Um, and we've seen other bull markets last for 13, 14, 15 years. Now, within that, there have been negative calendar years. But remember, you could be negative 4, 5, 6, 10%, and it's still part of the bull market because you haven't hit that negative 20. Right. So this idea that it's been going up for too long, I mean, we've heard a little bit of that for the past three or four years. And then it's still going up. It's still going up. And like you said last night at the talk, which is a very good point, the markets, these thousands of companies glommed together that we call the markets have no mind. They're an inanimate right. thing that's just going on out there, like the weather. You know? right. Hey, it hasn't rained for two months. It's going to pour tomorrow. Well, <laughs> who knows? So, okay, well, buzzer, uh, we get it. <laughs> okay. So, but the bottom line is, yeah, you got it. You, if you start asking that question, you're leading yourself to timing the market, and that's always or usually a disaster. Yep, absolutely. All right, I think that was fun. I think we should do this once in a while. Uh, we'll mix it in. I and, think it uh, was a great idea on your part. We will definitely mix this in. Absolutely. We'll check back in with you next week. Take care.